Welcome back, everyone, to Life and Lits. This is episode 37, and we are still in October, aka spooky season. And we are continuing our spooky season theme with another thriller. This one I read pretty much at the beginning of quarantine in 2020. And it was my introduction to one of my now favorite thriller authors. So this week, I'm very excited to discuss In the Woods by Tana French. But before we get too far into it, I'm Paige. And I'm Sydney. And this is Life and Lit. I feel like we just did this because we literally literally did did. (laughs) (laughs) like 48 hours ago. Yeah, literally. Um, We're we're back to long distance. (laughs) I know. It's kind of sad. It was fun, like just sitting on the couch and having a conversation last time. Yeah, definitely. But excited to be back and talking about this book and I'm pretty sure I know why you love this book so much really one reason reason that you love it so much because it's set in Ireland aka your favorite place I'm a sucker for an Irish setting and actually my roommate in St. Louis somebody at her work let her borrow it and when I was bored at the beginning of quarantine she let me look at her books and recommended this one and I devoured it in a day, which I say every time, but I did. It was one of those page turners where I just had to know how it ended. Yes, it was definitely like suspenseful and you were wanting, I was wanting to see how it was all going to tie together and how it was going to end. Yes. And this was actually her debut novel. It was written back in 2007, which we just did a debut novel debut thriller actually so we're continuing that trend but this one has been out for a while and Tana French has published several other books and I've read several of hers and I just really love the way she writes and her characters you know me I love an unreliable narrator we have another one here and this is actually the first book in a series it's the Dublin Murder Squad series and it was developed into a limited series on stars called Dublin Murder. Oh, I yeah, I've been that. wanting. Yeah, I've been wanting to watch the series. I think they maybe took some creative liberties with it, but I think it follows the overall storyline that I've been wanting to watch. Nice, and I knew this was part of a series, and it's kind of like each each book can be a standalone but it focuses on like one person in the detective squad which I love yeah Um, I definitely would love to read the one about like with Cassie as kind of the main character or narrator yes I've been wanting to read the rest of the series but I've read some of her other standalones which I actually bought one of her books The Secret Place when we were at the Strand in New York last winter Oh, nice. This is really good. I should have sent you home with it. You should have. Well, we knew there was others you meant to send. Oh, we yeah. just trade books back and forth. I brought a book to Paige when I went to visit her. She sent me home with one. So. Yeah, we'll mail them, mail them back and forth. It's like yes. the sisterhood of the traveling books. Yes, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But yeah, I'm excited to jump into this because... I think it's a really interesting, 
premise for a thriller. It has an unreliable narrator and maybe an ending that you don't expect. So before we get too far into it, I think you said you had the summary ready. Yes. So this is In the Woods by Tana French. As dusk approaches in a small Dublin suburb in the summer of 1984, mothers begin to call their children home. But on this warm evening, three children do not return from the dark and silent woods. When the police arrive, they find only one of the children gripping a tree trunk in terror, wearing blood-filled sneakers, and unable to recall a single detail of the previous hours. Twenty years later, the found boy, Rob Ryan, is a detective on the Dublin murder squad and keeps his past a secret. But when a 12-year-old girl is found murdered in the same woods, he and Detective Cassie Maddox, his partner and closest friend, find themselves investigating a case chillingly similar to the previous unsolved mystery. Now, with only snippets of long-buried memories to guide him, Ryan has a chance to uncover both the mystery of the case before him and that of his own shadowy past. Oh, I love it. I know. That I love came... the two mystery vibe. Yes, like the dual. The dual, yeah. And You're not only trying out. to solve one case, but you have like a cold case as well. Yes, I definitely did love that extra layer. So we will go ahead and put our spoiler alert here. You've heard the summary. Um, hopefully it's piqued your interest press pause, go read or listen to this book, and then come back because we are going to spill all the secrets and solve the cases along with the detectives. I'm so excited. Yes. So first of all, just like the setting in the woods. Creepy. Like, yeah, creepy. Anytime you have like the dark, silent, creepy woods on the edge of town, immediate chills, immediate Mm -hmm. thriller vibes. And this one delivers. And it just, <laughs> I don't know, like something about the woods during the daytime. It's great. It's beautiful. It's peaceful. But at night, it definitely starts getting creepy. It's that perfect setting. And it, remember like the clowns? I don't know why I just suddenly thought of this. Yeah. And but, but, I don't like, like to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Let me remind you. Yeah. As it's dark and we're getting ready for bed. The mm-hmm. people who would, like, dress up as clowns and just, like, stand at the edge of the woods, like, however many years ago that was. It's just, I it don't know. It was when we were in, like, junior high or high school, and yeah. I'm sorry, but that is how you get shot. <laughs> like, <laughs> absolutely not. If you get shot, you had it coming. <laughs> yes. And yeah, I love the setting because of the creepy vibe, and I was thinking about this even when we were hiking, like. Oh, Yeah. Just or when we were like well, at a campfire, yeah. Even though we not were even, like five feet into the woods, <laughs> yes, but not even that. But I'm just like, how many dead bodies are out in the forest? I'm I think so glad you like say that while we were hiking, <laughs> while we were hiking and sometimes by ourselves. But also, I was kind of thinking, like, dude, how cool would it be if we found something? Obviously, we didn't, and it would be traumatizing. But I was like, that this... would ruin my peaceful vibe I had going. This is how my mind works, though. As someone who listens to true crime a lot, this is what I think of when we're out. Wow, hiking. I'm so glad but... you did not vocalize that. I almost did, but I was like, no, that might be a little too weird. <laughs> Better not. Better not. Oh, so diving into this book, like you said, it starts with the original crime and it's 
12 year old Adam and his two best friends are out in the woods and fail to come home after, you know, after dark. Mm -hmm. And they go outside and they find Adam, which was confusing at first for me, but they find Adam shivering, kind of like clinging to a nearby tree with blood in his shoes and slash marks down his back. And like you said, he cannot recall what happened where his friends are he he just did not know and then you flash forward and he's now going by his middle name rob and he's a detective in the dublin murder squad and he still to this day cannot remember the events of that night which that just blows my mind like the brain's power to do that yeah just like that selective amnesia on other episodes of how it's like a self-preservation yes, instinct absolutely. that your brain will literally like block things out. Yeah. If something is so traumatic and your brain <laughs> thinks that like you will not be able to move past it, it's just like, we're not remembering that. We're going to. Mm-hmm. Never happen. Like, yeah. We're going to throw a blanket over that and never remember it again, which was really interesting because there's all these things you can do. You know, you can go back to the site, you can go through the day, you can be hypnotized there's all sorts of you know things that you can try to remember but rob i think is pretty content to not yeah he doesn't want to remember which i don't blame him if i was found as a child with blood soaking my shoes and like injuries all down my back and my best friend's gone i i don't think i'd want to remember either i don't know it, I knew you were gonna say this. See, I know. Then, then not knowing, I am very much a person that's like, good or bad. I just want to know. Yeah. And it would literally eat me alive, like not knowing yeah. what happened. And it, if there was someone bad still out there, like feeling like, I don't know. I would feel like I would have a target on my back for the rest of my life. And yeah, it would. Obviously, it does <laughs> mess with him, which we'll talk about. I'm sorry. Can you hear? <laughs> No. He's now like yelling at the door. <laughs> I couldn't hear it. So you're good. Oh, okay, good. I I understand that, and clearly it is eating away at Rob because he hasn't been able to live like a normal life. He's going by a different name. He doesn't really have Which, a lot of close relationships. Can He's just about himself. the other name for just a hot minute. Yeah, because this was a major plot hole for me. Well, because he just goes by his middle name mm-hmm. and then doesn't tell anyone except he ends up telling Cassie, his detective partner. But like his boss doesn't know the people in this, uh, the rest of the department don't know. And I'm just like, how? Because how did you not? I don't know. You pretty much have to give the blood of your firstborn showing proving your identity when you get a job and i feel like it would be even more so in a police department so it's just like how did no one know this well how how does just a simple going by your middle name instead of your first name no one knew i'm sure like on his job stuff he had to put his first name and he goes oh but i go by rob and then when you like introduce yourself like i could totally pull it off like with my coworkers if i went by a different name they wouldn't know that you can just introduce yourself to them as Rob instead of Adam. I know. It just felt strange to me. Being like, being someone who was 
the found boy or whatever. It's just, I don't know. It surprised me, but it works. And it definitely is a like solid plot device because it sets up a lot of the plot for this. Yeah. I just felt like, dang, that's kind of crazy, but okay. I mean, my cousins on one side all go by their middle name. So I guess it's like not. And I have a friend who goes by her middle name. No, it's not that. It's just that. Like how nobody knows who he is, which well, I guess like yeah. it's been twenty two like years it. too, and this True. was in a small town, and now he's in Dublin. Like he he did a lot to separate himself. That's true. I guess I was thinking of it more of like, yeah, just the notoriety of the case that he was involved in, mm-hmm. and which we'll talk about some of that later on too. Yeah. But so. Yeah. He's kind of thrown back into his past when in his hometown, they get a call that there is a murder of a 12-year-old girl, Katie Devlin, and Rob and his partner, Cassie, are assigned to the investigation. And the body is found in the same woods where Rob's friend disappeared and he was discovered alone. So, of course, he's thrown back into that past and... He's trying to prevent everyone from finding out about it. Yes, which Cassie, like I said, she knows who he is and knows his connection. So she's kind of like, are you good with this? Are you going to be able to handle this? Right. And he's like, yeah, yeah, it'll be fine. I think it's like the duel of you don't want to be there, but yet you want to be there. Like you have yeah. to do it for closure, but it's also Yeah, I think he's like trying to prove to himself that he can do it. Yes. And so I guess we'll talk about Cassie and Rob's relationship a little bit because they are working partners. Um, She's like another detective on the murder squad. She was, I think, the first female on the Mm -hmm. squad. And that was kind of a big, a big deal. And everyone was giving her a hard time. um, And they kind of stuck her with Rob almost feeling like as punishment for sticking him with the girl because he was a newbie. Yeah. But it turns out that they bonded really quickly and they work really well. And now they've kind of like worked up through the ranks to be, I don't know, kind of the problem solvers and mm-hmm. the, the best. They're kind of, the- yeah. They're like the outcasts, but also. But they're like the ones that can get stuff done. Them. Yeah. Yeah. And they're best friends. And of course they have. They pretend that they're platonic. They're not interested in each other. But this, like, read, like, the typical TV series where you have the male and the female lead and they're best friends, but they're not interested in each other. But as the series goes on, they start to notice each other more and develop feelings and admit that Mm -hmm. that's just, like, the typical, which I love. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) I'm here for that. So, you know I'm always here for that, but this gave me the ick really why because so I listened to this on my like library's audiobook app because they have a bunch of ton of French books in print but they didn't have this one but they had it free on audiobook so I was like okay that works and it's from Rob's point of view and there were just certain things the way he would describe Cassie that I was just like "Mm." really like what kind of I don't even know how to describe it. Like, like I felt like they had that bond and could work as a couple, but then I also just got 
really weird vibes from him. Well, he's a weird dude. I know. So I feel like that translated <laughs> into his relationship with her. And yeah. it just, like, was off-putting to me. Yeah. I was never, <laughs> yeah, like, that into kind of that side of the relationship. Normally I am. Like, whenever I'm, like, watching a show, I'm like, oh, are they going to end up together? But, yeah, I totally see what you mean now that I think about it. Yeah. No, I definitely saw it progressing. And, like, I would have been fine with that. And it would have, I guess maybe it would have made more sense. I don't know. There was, I just remember there were some things and I'm like, I don't know how I feel about him and his yeah. relationship with Cassie. Cause he talked That's like, true. you kind of have to like, almost like be... a dad type to her or I don't even know, I don't know. how to describe I it. Like, I don't know. It was just interesting, but they have a really strong working relationship and they complement each other really well and work really well together. So they are assigned to go into Nocturne, the little town that Ryan is from and where this murder took place in the present. And like Paige said, it was Katie Devlin. She's a 12-year-old girl. And they have to go through the whole bit of like talking to the parents, talking to the siblings, talking to everyone there at the site. And it's in pretty well the same neighborhood as where Ryan grew up. Um, Detective Ryan, he pretty much goes by his last name, like most cops. So that's why I'm calling him Ryan. But it kind of got confusing with like, first he's Adam and then he's Rob. And then sometimes he's <laughs> yeah. just Ryan. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, who are we talking about? But some things have changed in this, this like home neighborhood area. And there is currently an archaeological dig site that's kind of on the edge of the neighborhood and the edge of the woods and so there's a lot of people out and about they're interviewing some of them as witnesses and then there's also a big controversy because there's about to be a new motorway like road interstate coming through and they're gonna have to do like eminent domain take some of the land from people to build this roadway and so there's like a huge controversy where some of the citizens are really mad about it. They don't want this big interstate coming through. And then some of the people are really happy because they're getting bought out and getting a ton of money. So there's just like a lot of conflict surrounding this little neighborhood. And it's Cassie and Detective Ryan's job to kind of find out what happened to Katie. Yeah, and that typical like small town drama stuff. Yes. You got to see like the inner workings of the small town, which I always think adds a fun little vibe to it. Definitely. And they were all, I liked this because they were all like very believable characters. To oh, me. yeah. And I could picture it like as I was listening, I could just picture these people and these scenes happening. So they go through their investigation and they, uncover a lot of possible different angles that this case could take so on the what like first and foremost of course they're looking into her family her parents trying to figure out their home life like was there any possible abuse in the family was there any infidelity was there any way that the parents could have snapped like could her dad have killed her because he was secretly abusing her or, or her siblings um katie has two sisters was it her mom doing like a munchausen by proxy thing where she was poisoning her 
they're trying to look into all of these different angles and they can't really grasp on anything there, but they get bad vibes from the dad first, like right away. They kind of get weird vibes from the whole family because the sister, Katie, was the middle sister, I think. She had an older sister, Rosalind, and then a younger sister, Jessica. And Jessica claims to have seen a man kind of walking around in the neighborhood the same day that Katie went missing. And then Rosalind kind of tells some stories about things not being great at home. Kind of leads them down those paths, so they're investigating that. There's also a person at the archaeological dig site, one of the, like, student workers, who says that he saw a man in a tracksuit kind of loitering around the neighborhood the same day that Katie went missing. So that backs up the sister's claim. So they Mm -hmm. think this is a pretty solid lead, that there was an unknown person there. But they can't find anything else. Like, these are the only two people that have seen that person. And they can't find any, like, evidence hardcore linking that. They start to uncover through their investigation that Katie's father, Jonathan, is um, kind of the head of this protest group against the roadway. And so he is being villainized by the businesses and the people who are in favor of this motorway coming through. And it's like Mm -hmm. really, really contentious with protests and people were like prank calling them and like not even prank calling them, like threateningly calling him that he better give up his protest or else. Yeah. It's a big deal for this small town. Yeah. Which I also can see that too, because I know how it seems like little issues like that can blow up and fester especially in a small town oh yeah so they're going down that road like was mate was katie or his family the target of someone trying to send him a message and get him to shut up and then one of the last theories obviously that is on the forefront of detective ryan's mind is could this be related to that case from 20 years ago of him and his friends because it is in the same area And when they're kind of investigating in the woods for Katie's murder, one of them uncovers like a hair clip or something that they're able to trace back to belonging to Jamie, one of his friends that had one of the girls that had gone missing. So it was Detective Ryan and his two friends, Jamie and Peter, who had been in the woods together and Jamie and Peter went missing. And so they find this piece of evidence now investigating this and they're kind of like okay how are we just now finding this is this a coincidence and so this is starting to obviously bring all of this back up for him Mm -hmm. and he's trying to remember as best as he can and this is where you talk about him being an unreliable narrator he definitely is like (laughs) oh yeah i don't know how we've gotten two books back to back like this and I can't. They were both. And <laughs> they're both ones that you picked, so that's probably why. This is definitely why that is right at my alley. But they, that drives me crazy. Like I think I even texted you that I'm like I do not like this man. Yes, He's very did. weird. Yes, you were but, like, and the woods is so frustrating. I was like, yeah. yes, yes. So he is trying to remember because he really does think this could be connected. And now he's like, okay, I might be the missing link. 
if I can just remember what happens. And so he slowly... Which, like, I think his spiral is understandable. Oh, for sure. Like, why he's spiraling into this. Yes, yeah. he's still unreliable, but... So he does start to remember little snippets, and he remember like, not of the actual event of them being in the woods but kind of the days leading up to it yeah and he has this flashback memory of them playing in the woods like the three of them because they did this almost every day which I loved this part of it because as a person who all also played in the creek and in the woods behind my best friend's house growing up I was like I can picture all of this I see it so clearly And so it felt so genuine, but they had been in the woods, like, I want to say a week, maybe less before they went missing and they had heard a noise. And so they're kind of like creeping up to investigate like kids do. And they see some kids from their community, like high school age kids, because the detective Ryan and all his friends were 12 And so they see some teenagers in the woods and they are gang raping a girl. Yeah. And they recognize the girl and some of the boys, they kept calling one Metallica shirt because he was wearing a Metallica shirt. But they make like, they get caught seeing this happening and, but they run away. Yeah. And so as he's remembering this, he realizes that one of the, boys that he saw doing this is none other than Jonathan Devlin who is Katie's father yes so this is like another wow connection so now he's thinking okay did the rape victim did she possibly target him did someone else know about this they're trying to go down that angle and unfortunately they can't really do anything about the rape because the statute of limitations have gone off on gone up on that because it happened so long ago but they do talk to the woman like he can remember her name her first name and so he kind of tracks her down and this was what I thought was so sad because she was like she denied it as being a rape she tried to play it off like no it wasn't you know I was dating one of them he wanted to soak me up with his buddies all this kind of stuff and I was just like oh my gosh that breaks my heart yeah it was heartbreaking yes and so they kind of quickly suss out that that's not a lead um it's just a a crazy connection but then that also gets him thinking okay was it jonathan and his friends that then did this crime to me and my friends because we saw them doing this right um so it kind of gets that can of worms opened Um, Which was what I thought, like, when we were first reading that scene. Yes, like, that was going to be where you, where it kind of all ties together. Yeah. Ryan's kind of spiraling through all of this, like, especially the memories of this attack coming up. He ends up going out into the woods as, like, in the present day, going to, like, I don't know, kind of spend the night out there and see if he can jog any part of his memory and kind of has a mental breakdown in the woods because of all of this. And the one person that's his best friend who he knows he can call is Cassie, his partner. And so she comes and gets him. Because and... he tried to, like, 
stay the night in the woods, right? To jog his memory. Yes. He was trying to like immerse Which himself in never. it. <laughs> like, no. no, you could not pay me. Like if something tragic happened like that, absolutely not. <laughs> no, no. no. But he tries and it backfires because he can't handle like the stress of it and has a mental breakdown. So Cassie comes and picks him up and is like, you can stay at my apartment, which she, he stayed there a lot anyways because he didn't yeah. like his roommate that he had and they would cook together and drink wine yeah. and all this kind of stuff. So she comes and picks him up. But they were just friends. Yeah, they were just friends until this night that she comes and no, gets him. No, sarcasm. <laughs> yeah no they they I think at one point like both they were sleeping in the same bed like she only had one bed but he would yeah. stay over there and I was just like no this is a he red flag sleep on the couch and then yeah gradually moved. so Cassie picks him up and he goes back to her her apartment and this is where it progresses to not just friends and they end up hooking up which like, he gave me weird vibes, but then I also was like, okay, I can see this happening, mm-hmm. and I wanted it to work. Like, if it would have mm-hmm. worked out, I would have been fine with it. But he, Detective Ryan, pretty much from the get-go is, like, just blows her. He just gets weird. That's he what I wrote down really in my notes. Weird. He just gets really <laughs> weird. And doesn't know i think he's confused on if he wants to try to make it work with her or if he feels guilt that they just crossed the line this whole thing but he basically just like self-implodes and he won't even talk to her anymore (laughs) i'm like wow buddy you're just really digging yourself up like yeah i think she kind of liked him the whole time and then when they officially hooked up she was like, oh, he likes me too, and kind of like went with that because, you know, he was given the vibes. And then he just completely, like, I think you can salvage a friendship even after that, as long as, like, mm-hmm. some one of you doesn't have too many feelings. But when you just, like, completely cold shoulder and stop communicating, it's done. And right. he's the think- one person in his life that he could rely on. He just, yeah. Yeah, that was the problem is she she wasn't being weird about it, but he was being so extra weird and like wouldn't even yeah. talk with her about it. Yeah. Or about anything. Yeah, their relationship, friendship and working relationship just kind of goes off the rails, which of course yeah. is detrimental to the case because they're still on the case together and they're kind of getting close. And so meanwhile, while this is happening, Rob has also been talking to Rosalind, Katie's older sister, because she's come forward with, like, this new information. Um, she's trying to get Jessica, the younger sister, to talk to him because she says that Jessica saw some things. And then she just reaches out to Rob to try to, I don't know, give more information or be helpful. They had a very strange relationship also. Yeah. That gave his, me the egg. Yeah, his tactics was <clears throat> Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> she's she's 18, so whatever. She's legal. Yeah. Yeah, but also <laughs> they get a little too... He toes the line, flirts the line of inappropriateness with her. And so that gets kind of weird. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, because he like, talks about how attractive she is and yada yada. But then like... 
uses because then she's attracted to him i think he's relative supposed to be like relatively good looking as well mm-hmm. and he uses that to his advantage yeah which it's told from the very beginning like when he's talking about some of their other crimes about or other cases where he'll like you know flirt with if your husband's you know if someone's giving an alibi for their husband that they think is fake, he'll kind of like flirt with her to get her to loosen up and trust them and yeah, open up. So it's not out of the realm of possibility for him, but it just was like, oh, super icky to listen to yeah. and read about. And Cassie can kind of sense this too, because she's like, why are you still talking to this witness? Like we are done with her. Yeah. We've moved along, whatever. Um, so this is all kind of coming to a head where Cassie and Rob are on the outs now. And there's a new, not a new, but another detective kind of helping them out. Sam, who's a younger guy. Um, he's one of the, I don't know if he's one of the like forensic analysts or something. But he's kind of working on the case with them now too. And they had determined that Katie had been assaulted with a trowel used from the archaeological dig site. Mm -hmm. Um, But they hadn't, I don't think they had found it at that point. But then they realized that this assault and murder took place in the like little tool shed at the site. And there's only three people that have access to that. So now they're narrowed way down um, and then they find out that one of the workers reported that his trowel was, like, missing or lost. Yeah, which this this part was where I was kind of like, wait, what? Like, I feel like in this could just because I know what happens. But if I was called to a murder scene and there was a shed, I would be like, let's look in there, like, first. yes. Yes. You know, like that's part and I guess the body was found in the woods, so it was a little different, but yeah, I would I'd be like, Oh, it's a tool and there's an archaeological site with a shed. Let's mm-hmm. look in there first and look if there are any like blood stains. Yes. Or find out who has access to that. I agree. That yeah. definitely was kind of <laughs> far along in the investigation for them to get into that. Yeah, and, like, you can maybe give Rob a break because of everything going on secondary to this with his, you know, amnesia and kind of reliving everything that happened to him 20-plus years ago. But Mm -hmm. his partner, I feel like, one of them should have spoken up and been like, let's investigate this shed. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. That was, like, maybe my biggest complaint the whole time, but. Yeah. Which isn't that, I mean, it wasn't that bad. No, no. You know. It just seemed obvious when it was revealed. Yes. So, like we said, there's three people that have access to this. One of them has reported his trowel missing, which it's, like we said, how did you miss this? And so he's obviously turning into suspect number one. And it's a kid named Damien, who's like a student volunteer with this archaeological site. So they're questioning Damien and, you know, looking through his phone records, alibi, doing the whole thing. And they find through his phone records that he's got a million calls to this one number. So they do a little more digging. And lo and behold, that number 
belongs to Rosalind, Katie's older sister, who supposedly didn't know anyone in the archaeological site and didn't know anyone around town. And And Damien didn't know her. Yeah. And she was the one like flirting with Detective Ryan and he reciprocated in order to get information out of her. Yes. So they learn through their investigation that Rosalind and Damien have been dating and that's the connection to Katie because at first it just seemed like this was a random crime of opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Cassie is trying to question Rosalind and she is denying everything and like you can't you can't prove anything. I have nothing to do with this. I don't know why he did this, blah blah blah. But she makes some comment about how Detective Ryan is obviously sleeping with Cassie. Mm-hmm. I was like, what the heck? Which this is maybe one my weirdest thing because I'm like, what what suspect would ever even say that? I mean, she's wow. not officially a suspect at this point, but I guess she's a teenager and she's jealous. But I'm also like, are you that dumb? <laughs> like, I, I don't, don't know. know. I think once you once things are further revealed about her, it starts to make more sense. Yeah, it just seemed. I was just like, what? Who would say that? But Cassie just kind of, like, brushes it off, whatever. Yeah. Um, I just think Rosalind, like, gets off on, like, saying things like that. Or, like, taking people by surprise or feeling, like... The shock value. Well, and feeling like she has control of the situation. Yeah. She's definitely a narcissist. And... yeah. Yeah. Wants to be, like, the center of attention and feel like she's outsmarting the detectives. Um, but Cassie just kind of brushes it off, but this also gets her thinking on, okay, I know how to get, like, get into this girl's mind and how to get a confession out of her because she sees that she is a narcissist and she needs to feed into that. And so Cassie hatches this plan to get a confession out of Rosalind where she will wear a wire and meet up with her under, like, the pretense of just asking her some other questions but then when she's wearing this wire she confides to Rosalind she's like yeah you know we really are sleeping together but you can't tell anyone this would get us in a lot of trouble but if you promise not to tell I will feed you information about the case yeah she's giving Rosalind control yes and so Rosalind bites into it and so Cassie's they're like walking around town or whatever and Cassie's working this confession out of her and basically gets Rosalind to confess about how she got the murderer Damien she like manipulated Damien into killing Katie by telling him that their father was abusing all of the girls but saying that Katie liked it and that's why she was their dad's favorite. And that he treated Katie well, but he was horrible to Rosalind and the other sister. And would have, like, beat them. And Katie would laugh whenever they would get in trouble because she was doing all of this on purpose. Like, really horrible things. Terrible things. About it's your so- own sister. Your yeah. own 12-year-old sister. And Katie... We kind of like skimmed over this, but she was a really good ballerina. 
she was supposed to go all these places. She was going to, like, make it big as this dancer. And that took the attention away from Rosalind, which I think is really a really important part of the story. Yes. And Rosalind was jealous of her and the attention and the success that she had. And so she tells Cassie that Katie was like really strong willed and wouldn't do what Rosalind wanted her to do. So Rosalind would like poison her to make her sick. And this kind of ties back into the parts where they thought that her mom was poisoning her because there were multiple times that Katie would go to the doctor sick and they could never figure out why Mm -hmm. Um, when it turns out it was Rosalind until Katie finally caught on because she was a very smart, like you said, like she just had her whole future in front of her. It was a really sad story Mm -hmm. because she was a sweet kid, promising future, really smart. And she catches on to what Rosalind's doing and that's what kind of like sets this all off. So Cassie has this whole confession recorded on a wire and arrests Rosalind and they kind of get in this scuffle, but she apprehends her and it turns out that none of this is admissible in court because Rosalind had told Detective Ryan that she was 18 Mm -hmm. and therefore would make her an adult. But she lied and is just like a few months shy of turning 18. So she's actually only 17. And because she's a minor, they can't use any of this. So frustrating. So frustrating. Like, oh, I hate. Yes. Got it. Yes. Which they had Damien like as the one who actually killed her. But Rosalind was the accomplice and the accessory and the mastermind of it all. And she just gets off like scot-free. And so as this is all going on, it slips up that it comes out that Detective Ryan is Adam Ryan, the little boy who had been involved in this crime. And he at first thinks that Cassie told the bo- their boss as a way to get back at him for the way that he treated her after they slept together. But of course she didn't because she's the mature adult. Yeah, and right. <laughs> He's the crazy one. So she didn't say anything. She's like, what are you talking about? And it they found out, I can't even remember now, but it was some like purely coincidental way that the boss found out, I think. Yeah. And so he is furious. And see, this is where I'm like, how did you not know? Like, how yeah, did you? How did this not come up in a background? Yes, because he's like, you've now put this entire case in jeopardy because it's a huge conflict of interest. You've put any of your previous cases in jeopardy that could have ties to a conflict of interest because you're obviously like, the case could be made that he's not in sound mind and doing the best work on yeah. a case so closely related to himself. And so he basically gets a demotion back to desk work and he's off the murder squad. And so that's a huge blow. They're able to keep this whole secret like under wraps still. So the case moves on. But then it kind of wraps up with, you know, the case has moved forward. Rosalind gets off scot-free. Damien's in jail. Detective Ryan's demoted. Cassie is dating the other member of the squad that had been helping them. Sam. Kind of through Sam, which oh, there was. So nice. What? He was so nice. 
he was so nice. And there was one little hint where I was like, ooh, I see this coming because when Cassie's getting this like secret taped confession out of Rosalind and she tries to arrest her, arrest her, Rosalind like turns on her and they get in this scuffle and she like, I don't know, scratches her or something. They get in this physical altercation. And so Detective Ryan and Sam and the chief all run up and Sam and Cassie like immediately go together and hug Whereas yeah. before it would have been Detective Ryan trying to comfort Cassie, but now it's mm-hmm. kind of turned to Sam. And I was like, ooh, okay. Good for you, Cassie. Yes. And then there's this scene, like, which I low-key loved. But he, obviously their relationship has been ruined, like, since I know, he's exactly. so weird. Hey. You know what I'm going <laughs> for. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> there's one part where he's, like, feeling down and regretting how everything turned out with him and Cassie and so he calls her and she's like hello and asks answers like she doesn't know who it is and he's just basically starts off with like I'm so sorry for everything that's happened between us and she basically doesn't she pretends that she doesn't know who it is whether she really does or not I don't know but anyways she is in on the phone and you can hear her talking to Sam, her fiance. And she's like, hold on a second. I'm going to take this call. And she like lays the phone down or moves out of the way and, but never actually hangs up. And so you, Ryan can hear the whole rest of their conversation. And she's, he, Sam's like, who was that? And she's like, Oh, no one, just some crazy person, blah, blah, blah. And they go on, like, he listens to this phone call (laughs) for, like, 20 minutes that she never hangs up. Yeah. And I just thought it was so funny because they kind of, he they wrote it as, like, he didn't know if it was an intentional or not that she left the line open. And why did she leave it? And he had to wonder about it. But I think it was. Yeah, but I was like, I hope she left it open. She was totally being like, look how happy I am without you I know and he deserved that yeah so totally deserved that that upon himself yeah I I don't know like just the total psychopath that is Rosalind and she just got away with it blows my mind because she's so good at manipulation that she was able to get somebody to kill her and confess to it and you can see her just like manipulating everybody and she makes up all these wild stories on her and how she's the victim and everything and she just gets to walk away scot-free that's terrifying it is was yeah and it's it's also scary to feel like stuff like that happens yeah all because she lied about her age but and the like the difference between I guess juveniles and adults like the laws there but mm-hmm. yeah just the number of people that have probably gotten away with something and now they're like psychopaths who have killed people just walking walking on. or that to me it's more of the like manipulation factor because yeah. I found myself not I don't even want to say feeling bad for Damien because obviously he committed this horrible crime yeah. but it reminded me a lot of this kid in the doc like the documentary making a murderer on Netflix 
Uh And it was like this main suspect's nephew or cousin or someone was kind of his accomplice. And this kid had a really, really low IQ and was manipulated into doing this crime and then manipulated into into confessing. And it just reminded me of that. Like, that was kind of what I was picturing as I was listening to this. And I was like, it just takes one psychopath to mastermind this and then ruin other people's lives. Which, like, obviously, you know, Damon is not innocent. He did it. But it's just, like, crazy. Crazy to think about that. From an 18-year-old. From, like, an 18-year-old girl against her little sister. Yeah. And she I just can't other people to do it for her. Yeah. Just can't fathom it. With Detective Ryan going back to the dig site by him because he has alienated everybody in his life and just the woods and wondering if he'll ever regain his lost memories from that night. So you never find out what happened to him and his friends that night which i hate which I, know you I, <laughs> I despise i literally was like i don't like this book yeah <laughs> not but, that i i mean it was an enjoyable read but i need closure i need to answer things. i like every now and then <clears throat> not all the time and not all circumstances but i like leaving some things open-ended because now i'm like like you Sometimes she wrote it to where you think, was it Detective Ryan? Did he kill his friends? That's a lot of people in town what I thought. And he was, like, ostracized. But why would he have, like, all those cuts down his back? And Defensive what would on his back? Yeah, if it was two against one. Like, if he's got one of them yeah. on the ground and the other's trying what to come. cause him to do? Like, you know, like, whenever they're just, yeah. like, backstory in his childhood for me for that to be super believable because in those instances and I'm thinking of a specific book spoiler alert I'm gonna name the book so if you haven't read it <laughs> uh defending Jacob there are instances previously in their childhood that point to the like behavior there's a pattern of behavior and there was nothing no background like that given to us that's where I was like, why would he suddenly lash out, kill his two best friends, and then not remember it, and still not remember it, and then never have a repeat instance like that? I don't know. That's where it was just like, this seems very random to me, but I like how she did like make you wonder if it was Detective Ryan, and Detective Ryan himself questioned if he could have done something like that. Yeah, I think that's what got me on it where he like was even doubting himself and wondering well I think you would I don't know I what happened you're like am I capable I think when you don't remember anything you start to question everything definitely I quote (laughs) quote that (laughs) (laughs) yeah I I I guess I don't know. I like the open endedness of it because it it makes you think. But I also hate it because our answers. Yeah, I think it would be less frustrating if 
the like modern day murder had like a better resolution where like mm-hmm. the man didn't get away like you want somebody to be brought to justice and yes Damien was arrested for his part because like you said he actually carried out the murder but to see yet another person go free was frustrating mm-hmm. but I thought for a debut novel this was excellent yes and it definitely gives the thriller like detective work I feel like it was different in that aspect from like flicker in the dark that we just did where it was kind of a citizen detective versus this I loved the camaraderie between like detective Ryan and Cassie and then the snippets with the other people that they worked at it felt very genuine to me from a real police force and so I liked that aspect of it where they're trying to like flesh out every single lead that they can yeah it definitely had a different feel to it and I think all of her books are really good. Um, I've only read two others. This or the all the books I've read by her, I should say, are really good. The Secret Place and The Searcher. They're all really good. They're all really different, but they do have like that small town vibe where, you know, all is not as it seems. And I really like how she's able to pull that off. So this was a good one. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) Yeah, good choice. Even though it was another unreliable narrator. Yes. Well, uh, I'm I'm in the middle of our next one. And let me tell you. (laughs) It's not. I know. I I know. Which I expect that from that author. But we're on quite a kick with this. (laughs) How did I get so lucky? Well, as always, thank you all for listening, and we will be back next week with our, I think, our last spooky season thriller pick, so we're super excited about that. It's a repeat author for us, so we know it'll be good. Neither of us have read this book, but we know it'll be good because it's from a great author. So... Until then, um, be sure to follow us on social media. You can find us on Instagram at Life and Lit Pod. You can interact with us there. Send us DMs, comment. We love to read all of those and interact with you guys. You can send us an email at lifeandlitpod at gmail.com. And please be sure to subscribe to us on whatever platform you're listening to and leave us a rating and a review because that helps get our name out there. And as always, you can share us on socials, share us with anybody you know that likes to read or talk about books, and we would love to connect with them. So until next time, happy reading. Happy reading. (laughs) 